Hey there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients, the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. Welcome into the Render Podcast. I am your host, Cam, and I'm so excited to be sitting down with a friend named Emily. We're going to be talking about branding, and you're going to get to hear from her three separate times on the podcast. So if you are loving today's episode, come back and listen to these episodes a couple times because we've got a few awesome topics coming up. Um, But I am so excited that you've joined us here. I'm Cam. I'm the host of The Render Podcast. We're here for entrepreneurs in the creative industry, um, giving skills for your business and making it a business and not necessarily just a hobby. So Emily, will you um, introduce yourself, share with our students and our listeners who you are, and um, why we're going to talk about branding today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Cam. I'm super excited for today. I'm a brand and website designer and the owner of Emily Foster Creative, which helps event pros get really clear on their brand strategy and branding so that they can show up as their most authentic selves online through their website and their brand. Uh, So usually we start with brand strategy and really establish what your business looks like, getting really clear on who you are, and then designing your branding, which is all of your logos, colors. I'm sure we'll get into that more. (laughs) And then um, designing your website as well and creating a really customized experience for your clients. Um, I actually got started um, wanting to go into the events industry a little bit. And my first design project ever was for an event, um, like a fundraiser in high school. And I literally designed like a t-shirt on Microsoft Word or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then Went into college wanting to major in business and kind of went down the advertising marketing route. And a couple of my first jobs out of college were really niched into the event industry, actually. So um, my last nine to five job before I started my own business was for an event marketing agency um, doing event design to everything from like blow ups and posters, um, ticket designs, everything like that, and thinking of the actual experience of an event and uh, for some big name brands. So that was really fun to work in that kind of space um, and feel like kind of I was working on all of these really exciting things. And then I started to kind of freelance on the side and was laid off. Um, like a lot of people, unfortunately, during COVID, um, one of our biggest clients was an outdoor kids event. So of course, that wasn't really happening, like thousands of person kids events during that time frame. Um, so after I was laid off, I decided to start my own business and really focus on helping small business owners. I was always kind of like a wannabe wedding planner or photographer in college. So I already had that passion and I was in the middle of planning my own wedding. So choosing the wedding and events industry with my experience just felt really aligned and I haven't looked back since. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. What do you do specifically that um, helps wedding and event businesses? 
I think first of all, getting really clear on what they have to offer and who their ideal client is. I think a lot of people go into this kind of business, of course, wanting to get clients and wanting to get booked out in your business. And then there's a certain point, usually around three to five years in business that I notice where you're getting the clients, you're making the money, but maybe it's not feeling super aligned because you're not working with the people that you love the most. Um, So that's the way that I help the most is getting people really clear on the goals and the path that they want to take through their branding and marketing. And it's exciting to be able to sit down and have those brand strategy calls with my clients and see them get really excited of like, oh, I never thought of this that way, or I didn't really think this was possible. Um, Some people even come to me just thinking that they'll get a prettier brand when we work together, which is definitely true. I help with that. But I think the clarity and the confidence that comes with that brand is really the key and like the most important thing that I help my clients with. Yeah. Well, then the perfect topic to be starting out this mini series with you. Branding is so important. I think, and I agree with you, the first like three to five years or so, we're just wanting business, right? We want to pay the bills that operate a business. We want to make a little bit of money alongside it. And then um, we get to kind of a point where we're just taking anything and everything and losing track of maybe who we originally thought we would work with, or maybe you're um, your outlook on who you want to work with has changed or altered now that you've learned more about your own business and you've been in it for a, a matter of time. And so branding is super important. And a lot of times your brand and how you show yourself, whether it be online or even your branding in person is what attracts that ideal client. So um, let's get right into branding and what's so important about that. I know that we're going to talk about kind of the psychology behind your brand. So let's jump right into um, branding. I know that it, branding is way more than just the typography and the fonts and the colors and all of that. So um, share your expertise in what that looks like. Yeah, I like to say that it's the visual voice of your business and actually even more than the visual voice too, because sometimes we kind of define branding as your copywriting as well. So the written voice or even depending on how huge your business is, like it could be audio things and basically the expression of your business that you're putting out there. It's your reputation. And so I think one thing that's really important for people to understand is that your business has a brand, whether you've invested in branding or not, and whether you are like controlling that narrative or not. So people see your business as this kind of entity and that's your brand. Um, The biggest examples obviously like are like Coca-Cola or or like Home Depot, kind of those huge brands where when we see maybe a key color or typography, we think of that brand. Um, But then we also feel a certain feeling and vibe because of that. So that's where I talk about like the voice of your business and everything that you're putting out there is that feeling, that intention that you want people to feel when they interact with you, whether it's just you and your business is named after you or whether you have um, even a large team and you have more like a studio or agency name. Yeah. Um, I think what you think or what you feel about those brands says a lot about your brand too. Obviously with Coca-Cola, they focus on happiness and you are immediately happy when you drink a Coca-Cola, right? Or even Home Depot, like you mentioned, for me, it makes me feel a sense of accomplishment. Like I'm getting something to help me accomplish a project. So Mm -hmm. even understanding what you want, ideally your clients to know, understand, or feel is really important about your brand too. 
which can then help your copy, which is your written text on your website or even in your emails. Um, something that in our business that we really focus on is we want people to feel joy and peace and confidence walking into their wedding or their corporate event. And so one of the ways that we do that in our business is we sign off our emails by saying joyfully and then your name. And so we're trying to iterate, what do we want you to feel? We want you to feel joy. Um, we might not say joyfully when we're talking about something tough or maybe um, we're having to work through something that happened through any relationship building or something that happened at the event. And so what we'll say instead of joyfully is warmly because we want them to feel like, hey, we've got your back regardless of like where this conversation goes. Um, but I think having understanding of like what do you want them to feel or understand for Coca-Cola, I don't know how many emails they send, but they might sign off saying happily and then their their um, their name or something. But it's yeah. all about that feeling. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And it shows up first in their branding, um, like the typography and colors and logo. Mm -hmm. But then even if you look back, um, they have done rebrands over the years, but there's like super old ads where you'll see like kind of that 1950s, like um, what is it like Jack and Jill kind of style of mm -hmm. illustrations. And they're like happy and holding like the old fashioned Coca-Cola bottles. So I think that's the thing about really establishing a solid brand is even if the aesthetic changes a little bit over time, you still go back to that strategy, um, which kind of starts with your why. Like we all hear when we start our business, like what is your why and what do you offer to your clients? So it starts with that. And then you kind of get more detailed based on your positioning and your pricing and everything like that to reach an end goal with your brand strategy. Yeah. I love that, the way that you um, communicate warmly, because I feel like that leads back to that sense of calm and taking the stress off of your clients. Yeah, well, it's important, I think, to understand, like, not always is your communication going to be about the happy parts of your event. There's going to be situations, one, we're human, two, things happen. And so understanding, like, what do I say when I'm, you know, saying that you damaged my product after your event? I'm not going to say joyfully, because it's not necessarily joyful that something ugly might have happened. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure... Coca-Cola, when they have a frustrated client, they're probably not immediately going to happiness. Um, right. It might be going to someone who's frustrated. And so I think understanding the language that you use around things, we have to look at our brand as anything that happens, not just the happy and the good and the exciting and the beautiful parts of our business, which we hope yeah. there's more so than not, but um, have to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Understanding your business's strengths and weaknesses, I think, really helps with that too. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. Tell us more about how do you get to that point? Is there questions that a brand needs to think about or ask themselves in order to understand maybe they don't know who their ideal client? You talked about the first three to five years um, is kind of your, your go-to of helping people. Um, so, most of our students who listen to our podcast have been in business for a few years, handful of years. And mm -hmm. so um, a lot of them are looking to, to what is our next step? Like, what, where do we want to go, especially into 2024? Um, now that we are um, in a new world than we were pre-COVID and such, yeah. what does that look like for our brands? And so what are some of the questions that you think um, are important to ask to even understand who, who do I want to work with? 
Yeah. I think early on, even before you start the brand strategy process, it's really nice to take notes. Um, even going as like concrete of making a list of clients that you've worked with and thinking about who you enjoyed working with, um, who you would prefer not to work with in the future. Like, um, I think it's really valuable to have those kinds of red flag client experiences to get you really clear on like, okay, what was it about that person's either personality or their project or like their budget or something? What didn't really work for the situation? And then also on the opposite side, who was your favorite client um, over the last year or over the last several years too? Uh, there's two sides I love to look at is the client's personality, like the people that you got along with the most. And maybe the project could have been your absolute favorite, or maybe it wasn't your favorite type of event to work or something like that. Um, but what was it that you loved about working with that person? Was there something that made it really easy because you just jived really well? And then also, what was your favorite project? Like what kind of work are you most pr proud to show off in your portfolio? And in an ideal world, you would love to just book only that kind of project again and again. Uh, and then also thinking about your pricing. Your pricing actually plays a huge part in your strategy and your marketing. And I think we can forget that because it feels like that comes before our marketing. So um, thinking about where can you adjust your prices or keep them the same and maybe adjust your scope and everything like that to get clear on your ideal client. Um, what are they paying? What does their income look like? And things like that. And then from there, when we're thinking about your brand strategy, your ideal client is kind of one pillar of that. And then I also like to walk through market positioning. So where you are in the market and that's, um, kind of easy to start off for with event pros because a lot of event pros are local based. So you kind of already are concentrated on a local market or even if like you're a destination management company or something like that, like you're still maybe focused on a few different areas. Um, so you can get clear on that and start to take a look at what the market looks like, what your competitors look like, how you can stand out, and then also how you can maybe align because there's some important lessons of how you could be more like competitors, not that we want to copy, but kind of having some strategies to align you with the market, but then also making sure that you stand out so you don't just blend in with everyone else. And then also your brand's personality, or sometimes it's called brand archetype. Um, so getting really clear on the voice of your business. And um, it kind of comes down to usually the owner's values I found with small business owners of like, what are your unique values, the unique way that you approach your work? Um, there's a lot of fun quizzes online that you can take about brand archetypes. There's basically 12 main like personalities. Um, and like one is like the ruler, one is the joker, um, the lover, like, so they each have kind of a different vibe about them. Like, so for example, the lover, some brand examples would be like Victoria's Secret or Chanel. Uh, so they, those two brands don't necessarily feel the same, but they have this kind of approach to their branding that feels really high end, luxury, kind of feminine, and they really want like an intimate experience for their clients. Um, and you could actually be in that kind of personality and you don't have to be like necessarily a jewelry or fashion business or anything like that. Um, so it's cool to see how that's expressed. And then um, there's all those pillars basically, but to get clear on your ideal client, it starts with, I think, your past clients and then going into demographics and psychographics. So thinking about what they look like on paper, I kind of mentioned income and also like age, again, geographics and things like that. 
And then psychographics is kind of where you can get more detailed and really think about like, what is the pain point that you're solving for your clients? Um, What kind of stress are they experiencing before they go into the process with you? And how can you uniquely help them with that where maybe a competitor couldn't? Um, So I like to dig into that and really help people to see like how they fit into the story of their clients versus how they're the main character, but basically making your client the main character and how you can be kind of the helper to get them to that end success for them. Yeah, all of those are really important. One um, example that I've heard over time is someone said, imagine, and I love stories, and so this kind of resonates for me, is they said, imagine someone is pulling up to your front door. Like they're coming in for a meeting with you, And this person you're super excited to work with, their event aligns, their aesthetics align, like budget is perfect, like it's a all in, like knock it out of the park kind of client. And someone walked through this visual of like, close your eyes and think about what kind of car are they pulling up in? What type of purse or bag are they carrying? Um, If it's a female, obviously. And and um, when they get out, are they wearing heels, tennis shoes? Are they wearing golden goose? Are they wearing um, Adidas tennis shoes? Are they wearing heels, cowboy boots? Like, what are they wearing? Um, when they walk in, what is their posture like? Um, what Do they have their nails done or do they not have their nails done? Are they someone who has the outfit of something that they buy at Nordstrom, Madewell, J. Crew, um, Target? Like, what does that look like? And so they, um, I can't remember who it was now, but they brought you through this whole visual of like, who is that person and what do they look like, feel like, understand, what type of job do they have? Are they a doctor, lawyer? Are they a stay-at-home mom? Do they have a creative business? Are they an artist? Are they a small business owner? Do they work in the fashion industry? Do they work in um, hair and makeup? Are they a hairstylist? Like, what is their job? Um, and then what types of events do they attend? Not just necessarily plan, but what things do they attend? Do they attend networking events? Do they attend big holiday parties? Do they go to concerts? Um, are they football goers? Are they basketball goers? Like, what do they do? Um, and then what are your conversations looking like? What, what are you asking them and what are their answers going to be? Um, who are the, these people? And maybe it's a couple of different people are coming out of your out of a car and coming to meet you because they have different types of events that they do with you. But that was such a really cool way to think about it because you can visually see it happening. Yeah. So if you can visually see it happening. You can understand the conversations you're having with that specific person um, that helps you understand how do I need to market myself for that person? Um, yeah. what, what types of things are they wanting to see on their social media feeds? What social media platforms are they even on? Um, right. My mom, for example, could be a um, a client of ours based on what she does for a living and, and all that. She doesn't even have Facebook. She only uses Instagram, but she doesn't use Snapchat and she doesn't use Pinterest really and she doesn't use other things. And so if my ideal client aligns with my mother, then I know that I need to market on Instagram. Yeah. Granted, I know a little bit more about her than the average Joe would. Um, but there's people who are like, nope, I don't like Instagram. I get all my inspiration from Pinterest. And so understanding like, where do they spend their time and what do they do is really important for your brand so that when you type out your 
first paragraph on your website, when they learn more about your business, they think that you're talking straight to them. And not that you're trying to leave everyone else out, right? Like everybody, you're going to have multiple personalities that work with you. Um, but who's your ideal? Like, who do you want to actually talk to the most? Um, and you're going to have others that do as well, but you want to speak to that person. Yeah. I love that. I love that really clear visual. Um, and I think that's such a important statement, what you said last too, like you don't have to leave people out, but you do have to get really clear on who you're speaking to. I think it's really hard sometimes for us to niche down in our business and um, kind of take that jump and feel like, okay, I'm going to focus on this one person in this one direction, but you're still going to reach other people because one thing I like to think about is like there's ideal clients who are kind of trying to be more like your most ideal client, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. most of us have different tiers of packages. Like we have the big deluxe package that includes everything for our ideal client. Ideally, we would book you know the most expensive package that we're selling. And then there's people who really would love that, but maybe they just can't afford that. So they might need like in a wedding planner's case, like day of coordination or something like that. Like they would love to make the bigger investment, but maybe they're just not right there um, in their own life. So you're still going to kind of attract those like trickle down ideal clients, I call them, of people who really have a similar vision to your most ideal client, but maybe their needs are just a little bit different or their lifestyle looks just a little bit different. Like maybe they're not driving a Mercedes, but they're driving like a Lexus or something like that. I actually don't know the exact pricing, so maybe that's not a great comparison. (laughs) Um, Or maybe they are driving like a Toyota, but their goal eventually is to get to that ideal client. Um, and then I also love, like, to your example, kind of adding on to that when you're envisioning the story of, like, what does that person look like walking up to your business, um, kind of thinking about those details and then why do they care about those details? Of, so if they are – maybe they have their nails done or they don't have their nails done, like, what is the purpose behind that? Uh, I think it's easy for us to say, like, okay, my ideal client drinks Starbucks and shops at Target. Um, like a lot of people, but why do they care about maybe the efficiency? They can do both things at once. Um, do they love that Target is just like a really easy experience because most of them are laid out the same or are they like brand name dependent and that's why they shop at like Target over maybe like Walmart or somewhere else. Um, so with the nails example, I feel like a good one is if they don't get their nails done, is it maybe because they are on a budget or is it actually like they could afford to get their nails done consistently, but they're, they care more about um, sustainability and like natural beauty and things like that, or um, maybe they don't have the time to get their nails done. So kind of thinking down to those details, you don't have to do it for every single detail in the story, but um, thinking about like those feelings that they have attached to like brand names that they're wearing and Um, how those might translate to your business too, like with the nails thing. If they're super busy, that's going to kind of make them a different ideal client for you than someone who has plenty of free time to go do all of the beauty things. Right. Well, and then also helps you understand what problem are they trying to solve. If you have someone who doesn't have their nails in because they're so busy, well, they're probably looking for a solution to any stresses that they're carrying or the time frame of like they aren't, aren't able to get everything done in a certain amount of time. And so they're looking for efficiency. They're looking for communication and someone to just do it for them mm-hmm. versus someone who might have their nails done because of status, because they want to look like 
they've got it all together. They want to look like they have money or they want to look like a certain thing. They're looking for status that so they might be looking for efficiency also, but in a different way. So they're looking for you to make them the star, they're, them to be the hero of their event. And so both um, have a little bit of a different thing, but you try to, the whole point of like going through that whole exercise is what problem are you trying to solve for them? Are yeah. they trying to get from A to B and they need you as their partner to do that? Are they trying to enhance their brand or their business or their status? And they're trying to become um, amazing and like looked after and, and all that. Or are you trying to set them up for success for them being the hero and them being the planner and you just being the supplier to those things? So a lot of those questions don't just say like, oh, they drive a Mercedes, they shop at Nordstrom and they get their nails done, they get, go to Starbucks and they live in a big mansion. Yeah. But maybe it's that they've done all those things because they've been successful in their life and they want to plan an event that boosts their business and gets them to the next tier of business um, that they're doing. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to go from A to B and their event that they're doing is to help scale that so that they can reach a new audience or they can increase their pricing or they can do you know something that enhances their business um so there's so many things that go into that but ultimately the the whole part of branding is what problem are you trying to solve and how do you attract that person to understand that you're the one that can help them solve that problem yeah, exactly. There's so much psychology behind it. Um, a good book to look at if people just want a like low cost resource since it is a book, but Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller goes into yeah. this. Yeah. I have it on my bookshelf right over there. I love that. I've mentioned it on a few podcasts and I'm so happy that like so many people have read it. I know it's kind of, I feel like it's kind yeah. of like the Bible of brand strategy a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah. And or the book Start With Why. Um, yeah, that's a really good one too. If you're like trying to, maybe you've been in business for a while and you just have lost your why. You've like lost, just been so, which I think is really um, a big thing in 2023, 2024. Like we've all been in business for a little while, even if you started your business after COVID. Like the world of business has been so different for the last few years compared to the few years before. And so yeah. a lot of people have just been on survival mode for the last few years. I know my business have had lots of opportunities where we've been in pure survival mode, especially in the yeah. events industry. Oh, yeah, so especially even, 2022. Yeah, exactly. Well, 2020, 2021, 2022 yeah. even. 2023 feels a little bit more um, normal and like back on track. But um, start with why, building a story brand. Those are two really fantastic books understand your why and understand like who are we like what do we do and what problems are we trying to solve here yeah definitely yeah and building a story brand is great for like that if you love storytelling it gives you really mm -hmm. clear examples of like like lord of the rings and harry potter and like basically how to apply those kind of storytelling strategies to your own business which seems maybe unintuitive if you haven't done that before but yeah so important like to place yourself more as like the guide or the helper to your client versus you being like the hero of the story mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the biggest mistakes I see from people early on in business like in the event and wedding industries is just that you're kind of speaking to the person of like I'm this person and I can help you 
um, do this thing because I'm an expert and I have this experience. And that's kind of putting yourself in the hero position a little bit um, and like using I too much. Like a really easy way to tell if you're doing this is if you are using like I and we on your website a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're using you or like speaking more to your ideal client on your website, like making the story more about them of like, for example, saying, instead of saying I'm an event planner and I have 15 years of experience working in corporate events and then I started my own business and now I can help you plan a stress-free event because I'm super talented at what I do. <laughs> Not that anyone would word it that exactly that way, but instead um, saying like, I see you, you're a business owner, you're stressed, you want to put off an effortless corporate event, but you might not know where to start or you have tons of knowledge about it, but you just don't have the time. Let us handle this for you. And here's the ways that we can collaborate together. Um, so kind of speaking more to them saying, I see you, like I hear your needs. And here's just like how I can kind of seamlessly blend into this story to help you get this final win that you want from this yeah and I think that's so important like understanding the I versus you us versus uh, me type of um, things that you say my dad actually called me out a couple of years ago had mm -hmm. this podcast for almost gosh coming up on four years three and a half years right now um, and he called me out a couple of years ago and he was like Cam you know what you say my team or um you know, you're very singular in kind of how you describe your team. You talk about my team or I or whatever. And he was like, you need to kind of swap what you're saying and say, instead of my team, it's our team. Or instead of saying me, it's us. Because he was like, reality is, it's not just you. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, okay. Yeah, you're right. But it is really important to understand the difference between those two things. Because ultimately, when you go into Target or when you go into Home Depot or wherever, you are thinking of your needs. You're not thinking of the employees that work there. Mm -hmm. And not, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you go to certain places because you need to fulfill your need or your problem. Mm -hmm. People who are coming into your business are doing the same thing. They're coming to your business, whether virtually or in person, whether that's on your website or in person, they're coming to you because they're trying to solve their needs. They don't really care about your needs. Right. And that's not them being insensitive. It's just reality. It's part of human nature. Mm -hmm. And so if you are making it about you and not about them, they really don't care. And they're probably going to pass you over. But if you are making them the hero, which is what you learn a lot through that story brand uh, book, if you're making them the hero and you're shining a light on them and shining a light on the solution to their problem, then they're going to feel known, understood, seen, all of those are really good things because like I said, they don't care necessarily about your needs or your problems or, or anything that you are dealing with. And again, it's not in an insensitive way. Right. It's just the reality of they have a problem. They're finding a solution to that problem so that they can get back on with their life, with their kids, with their business, with their daily schedules. And you are just one part of their day that they need to accomplish. I love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the key with brand strategy is like getting really clear on that problem. And it could, like you were saying before, like it could be like multiple problems kind of that you're solving like in one. Um, but 
the problem like probably 99% of the time is not the service that you offer. Like it's not that they need to plan an event or that um, like if there's like florists listening that they want florals for their event or anything like that. It's more that feeling that we were speaking to. And I think that's your opportunity to shine because if the problem that um, basically if the solution they want is a successful event, anyone can do that. So you don't necessarily need to spend a ton of time in your branding, like communicating, this is what we do, maybe with the exception of like a more complex business or something that's newer in the industry, you might want to explain that a little bit more, but really for a lot of like event planners and wedding planners, you don't need to like shout that from the mountaintops. Everyone knows what you offer. And, uh, depending on your market, like they expect a certain caliber of service too. So you don't have to shift like, into saying like, I'm the expert kind of like back to what it was or like I offer quality work. It really is like um, talking about that specific solution that you offer, like how you do it and yeah, how you can. And understanding your competitors is important in that too because ultimately at the end of the day, if someone is searching for a photographer or they're searching for a floral company or they're searching for a rental or DJ or whatever, their problem that most people think is the problem is they need a DJ or the problem is they need a photographer. And that might be the surface level problem. That might be the thing that they are checking off their list of things to do today. Mm-hmm. But the real problem is what do you offer that helps them understand that? Do you offer um, with your wedding photography? Maybe the, the problem surface level is to hire a photographer, right? Mm-hmm. What they're really looking for is they're looking for someone who can get to know them and their family so that when it's family picture time, they know their names and they're not just saying, hey, aunt so-and-so over there and uncle over there and cousin over here, like everyone come together. They're taking the time to understand those things and make you feel seen and understood like you're their best friend on their wedding day. Because that's, I mean, that's who I would want on my wedding day is someone who knows me and isn't just like clocking an hour. Um. So maybe they're looking for a personality. They, they're looking for a connection, a relationship. Um, for a rental or design company, a lot of times our products are on our website, right? Same thing mm-hmm. with hair and makeup. Like your services are on your website. They already know that you do hair. You can probably do an updo or downdo. You can probably do curls. You can probably do all these things. Mm-hmm. But what is it that they're looking for in you? Do they want a relationship or do they just want you to do their hair? They probably want something more than just for you to do their hair. Um, yeah. Maybe it's, you know, in decor and design, a lot of like my company, for example, I've got all my inventory on my website. They already know what I have. They can find it pretty darn easily, or I've tried to at least set it up in a way that if they're looking for a sofa. They can go find a sofa. That's might be their surface level thing that they're trying to understand, but they really want to know, what does the sofa go with? Like, what can I pair this with? I'm not just looking for a sofa, but I'm looking for a gathering place for um, my family and friends to gather in while we're taking pictures <laughs> during the cocktail hour. Yeah. And so you're looking for that partner. You're looking for um, solutions to not just necessarily the surface level, because those are expected. When you order a sofa, you're expecting it to be certain quality. You're expecting it to arrive. You're expecting certain things. Um, but what are some additional things that can help them relieve stress, become happier, um, be more efficient, get back to their normal duties and not have to worry about those things? 
Yeah, definitely. I think that shows up in the buyer process too. Like mm-hmm. I know I'm not necessarily everyone's ideal client um, for wedding pros listening, but even in our own vendor booking process, we had our minds on like certain vendors. I think most people, unless you tend to have like a higher wedding budget, like maybe like 80K plus, like you kind of have to decide like what's your top priority, like and where do we kind of have to scale back? Um, so for us, top priorities were definitely photography and videography. And I think getting really clear on finding someone who went that extra mile and um, in their branding and web design too, like expressing like what it is that they can provide that's unique other than just high quality photos and a high quality video. So we weren't even taking the time to look at people who weren't providing at least that bare minimum of like high quality video and photo. Um, Whereas there were maybe some other vendors, like admittedly um, a DJ where we were kind of like, okay, we know we just need to book a DJ. um, So we just want to make sure that they can provide a good service. And we're not looking too much beyond that. Um, So that will sometimes be true of like, you sometimes might get basically like price shoppers or someone who is kind of trying to like look to check a box, but your most ideal client is that person like I was for our videographer and photographer, someone who really cares a ton about the service. Not that I don't care about DJing. That was really important. And we still wanted someone who was good at it. Um, but just as like a surface level example, um, finding someone who already understands the value of what you do and they just are looking for that extra mile. Um, and in that sense, they're probably going to be interviewing more people because they want to get on sales calls with a few people, see how it feels to talk to person A versus person B. Um, They might be looking a lot more at your work or more at your website to figure out which one do I connect with because these people are comparison, um, they're comparable in price and maybe like service and everything. Mm -hmm. But how else can I decide? Like it gets really overwhelming sometimes when you are booking event professionals because Uh, during the sales process, it's so easy to get attached to these people. And there's so many good professionals in the industry. So Mm -hmm. that brand strategy and getting clear on what you can offer your ideal client, I think helps you go that extra mile to be like, hey, here's how I stand out. Like I know all my other competitors are amazing, um, but here is what I can help you with that no one else can. And it's not your packages or your price or your talent. It's that feeling um, down to your brand. Yeah, and understanding, I mean, like floral is a really great example. There is people who really value floral, who really want, like that's the core of their event because it does take a big effect in your decor. And then there's people who really don't care about floral, but they want something nice on the tables, right? Mm -hmm. And so you as a florist could be saying, you know what, I just want to knock out 20 events a week because I want to work with the clients that don't necessarily like, need to spend 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 on their floral. I want to work with the people who want to spend 2,500 and under. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to package your stuff at a certain rate, but you know, and your clients, if you're attracting those types of people, they know that they, you know, floral isn't high on the priority list. Photography might be, wedding planning might be, the venue might be, floral isn't. And so you are attracting those types of people so that you can just book out 20 events in a week. Then you have some florist that want a client who totally is up for their floral, who like is every single design board has some sort of floral on it. Like they want to make sure that they have the best roses. They want to have the best textures. They want to have the best of everything because they want those photos to adorn their hallways and their 
bedroom someday or in their house someday because they want to have their bouquet of, you know, someone holding their bouquet in a certain position and that be a centerfold of that. Um, and so you need to attract those people, which means your pricing needs to attract those people, which means your marketing needs to attract those people and your branding needs to attract those people. So I think when we're talking about branding, the, the main thing that you have to do, whether you are rebranding, refreshing a brand or starting a brand for the first time, is you need to understand who do you want to attract and then work from there um, based on pricing and branding and colors that you attract and photos that are on your website and the um, amount of information that's on your website of how do they actually work with you. Um, all of those are really important. And I know the next couple episodes, we're going to get to some of those as well. Um, but those are really important. So understanding your ideal client is incredibly important. And all that to say, your, your florist who's doing 20 events a week, she might have someone who really likes that, that does prioritize floral. And so she might still reach out to that person mm-hmm. so as you're attracting a certain type of client doesn't mean you're going to not have other people that do reach out to you and may or may not book with you. But the majority of the people who are going to work with you kind of going to that 80, 20 rule, hopefully 80% of the people working with you are your ideal client and yeah. 20% are other people that might not necessarily be your ideal client, but they are able to work with you. And you're able to provide a great service and product for them as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, Kind of using our photographer as an example when we booked them, I honestly think that we were more like that trickle-down ideal client that um, I was talking about. So we really valued what they did. We were looking for their type of work. Um, We also were looking for – it was a husband and wife team and – we were looking for people that we could get along really, really well throughout the process, but we actually heard about them when we were touring a venue that was like pretty outside of our budget. <laughs> like yeah. we went to the venue, um, just, this is also a marketing tip. We thought that they would be in budget based on the information on their website. And then there were like kind of a lot of hidden costs and it ended up being like kind of triple what we could afford by the time we got done with the tour. And we were like, well, it's a beautiful venue. And our photographers are like their go-to photographers for most of their wedding day. So they do more of like luxury weddings for our area, which just in reality was not our budget. Unfortunately, I wish we had a ton of money for our wedding, but um, we weren't like fully DIY though. So we were kind of like in that middle part where most of our vendors probably wouldn't be on par with that venue necessarily in terms of pricing. Um, But because photography mattered so much to us, we wanted to pay like a little bit more of a luxury price for our market. Um, Even if we weren't necessarily like I would say maybe their ideal client persona without going super deeply into it with them would be um, like country club weddings. Maybe the um, couple has their parents paying for the wedding primarily. Um, They do have like a huge budget for florals. They're going somewhere very extravagant for their honeymoon, kind of things like that. Um, And we only fit like certain pockets of that. Like we were pretty much funding our own wedding, but we did want um, to spend a higher amount on photography. We cared about a wedding for very similar reasons. Like we wanted to have this really like amazing experience for our guests. And we cared about um, mostly the experience and then also documenting it in the long term. So it wasn't maybe the same priorities as like a super DIY budget couple that is like, we just need to check a box and get these things done. Um, So it was like, we were that trickle down ideal client where we didn't have everything on par with maybe what our photographers wanted to attract, but it didn't mean that we weren't 
willing to pay their prices and I think still hopefully great clients for them and people who would give like really positive reviews down the road for them. Well, that's important too. I mean, you, you definitely want to focus your marketing and your efforts on 80%, your ideal client, Mm -hmm. but to be a business and be operating at a hundred percent, you still need the 20%, right? Yeah. You can't just say like, we will only work with people who are, but this criteria Mm-hmm. You have to be able to open that up. And I see a lot of companies that mistakenly kind of do that is they say you have to have, you know, you have to spend this much with us or we won't even consider working with you. You yeah. have to do this, this, and this, um, which sometimes is a good thing. And sometimes you have to do those things because of your overhead or because of um, the way that you run your business. But if you want to be operating, there's, I don't think there is any company that I can think of over the last 12 years we've been in business, that 100% of their clients fit their ideal client. Yeah. It would be a little boring too. Like, I think it would be be fun in some ways for a while. Like, but I think then that's when you start to get a little stale in your business. Same thing all the time for everyone. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I agree. There's, there's so much that you have to think about for your business and branding and your ideal client is so important and really trickles down everything that we're about to talk about in our next couple episodes coming up. Um, But overall, your branding. Yeah. There's one other resource too you can look at. I mean, there's so many things we could go into. We've probably all heard of like a SWOT analysis Mm -hmm. and um, like all kinds of different marketing terms that you can look into, but um, the hierarchy of needs, I think it's Maslow's higher or Mavlov's hierarchy of needs, like looking into that. um, It's kind of like a pyramid structure where you think about the needs of your client. um, And at its like psychological base, it talks about how we as humans have like our basic needs, like we need um, fresh air and water and food. And then a step above that kind of like, I think it's our needs to connect with people and like feel like intimacy and like have friendship and things in life. And then psychological needs of like um, needing to feel like certain emotional things and things like that. So that's an interesting pyramid to take um, with your business and think about your ideal client of like, okay, so there's that basic need. They need um, a competent event planner and they need these details handled. And usually those are the things kind of covered in your packages. And then kind of that middle tier of like, what else are they looking for? That's a step above that, that maybe only you and a few other competitors can provide. And then the very top could be something that's like very unique to what you provide. And um, maybe it's something about your process or something about your unique personality and experience that no one else can have. Um, and so that's a good exercise too, to maybe like print out, um, go take a look at it and like go through a little exercise with yourself and um, write down things like it could be time, energy, money related kind of needs. Um, and that's a really helpful thing. And the client workbook that I help my clients go through kind of talks about that too. Like we'll talk about what are your client's stressors outside of the event planning or the wedding planning process? Like everyone has something going on, especially during wedding planning where maybe there's like family tension or relationship issues or financial issues, like certain things, or like their job is very stressful. Um, So thinking about like what's going on outside of this and taking a look at the big picture and how you can fit into that for your clients. Yeah. All that is so, so important. Well, I'm so excited to talk through the next couple episodes with you soon. And for our listeners, where can they find you to follow along with what you offer and 
if they're interested in working with you, what is the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So I'm pretty much Emily Foster Creative on everything. Um, so you can find me on Pinterest, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, mostly Instagram at Emily Foster Creative. And then my website is emilyfostercreative.com. So you can reach out there or at hello at emilyfostercreative.com. And I have a variety of ways that we can work together, including um, free website reviews, if that's something that you want, and kind of like smaller scale packages all the way up to actually helping you like totally reinvent your brand through branding, copywriting, brand strategy, a lot of what we talked about today. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for teaching our listeners about personalities and how you can understand who your ideal client is to help you better your brand. Thank you so much.